Welcome to Prayer Storm Podcast. We trust that it will be a blessing to you and that it will stir you and equip you to be all God calls you to be. Uh, Father, I just thank you that uh, we can gather online like this uh, to hear your word. And Lord, I ask that this morning uh, there will be revelation and wisdom. Give me utterance, but also give us hearts to receive uh, what you're saying to the church at this time, Father. Let all distractions begin to just fall aside, God, and let us just lock into your word in this season that it begins to transform us from the inside out. We pray in Jesus' name. We've got your Bibles. I would like you to turn to Romans 8, and I'm going to read uh, a few verses from Romans 8, and we're going we're gonna to start from there. So Romans 8 and 19 says, For the earnest expectation of creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. I'm going to just read that one more time. For the earnest expectation of creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. So creation, you know, obviously Adam and Eve, when they fell in the garden and sinned against God, it wasn't just them that were affected and then the whole human race affected. Creation has been affected by sin. And creation right now is waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. But who are the sons of God? Let's go a bit further down to Romans 8, uh, 28. Now, this is a bit of a popular uh, uh, verse. It says, All... And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose, to whom he foreknew, he also predestined, listen to this part, because this is where I'm going, to be conformed to the image of his son, that we might be the firstborn, the firstborn among many brethren. So, the place where we're moving towards is conformity to his image. And when we're conformed to his image, we start to manifest his fruits. You see, it's so important that at this time in the nation, in the nations, and what's going on with the pandemic and all around the world, even with the body of Christ, that we keep the main things the main things. You see, God's calling on you is conformity to the image of Christ. Now, thank God for the gifts of the Spirit. Thank God for the move of the Spirit. And in our 21st century church, we are eagerly pressing in for greater abhorrence of the Spirit. But I think we can get to a place where we actually start to idolize gifts of the Spirit, idolize things that God wants to do, as opposed to realizing that God's priority is that we conform to his image. And the gifts are a manifestation of more of the conformity to, the, to his image. However, the problem is we can move in certain gifts of the Spirit. We can move in certain things of the Spirit while we're not bearing the image of God. And so we can step into a place of deception oftentimes to think that because we are prophesying, because we're preaching, because we're leading worship, because we're even leading prayer, it means we are becoming more like Christ. Whereas that's not true. You can manifest the gifts of the Spirit disconnected from the fruits of the Spirit. In fact, you know what Jesus says? Some people are going to say to him on that day of judgment. By the way, every Christian is going to be judged. It's not just a day of judgment for unbelievers. There are two different judgment seats, two different thrones that are going to judge the different groups of people. The Christians are going 
going to be judged for their works. And it's going to be passed through fire. And some people are going to say to Jesus on that day, I prophesied in your name. You know what he's going to say to them? He's going to say to some of them, get away from me, you workers of iniquity. Because even though they were manifesting a gift, they were not aligned. They were workers of lawlessness. They were not aligned with the agenda of God. And so their fruits in their lifestyle and the image they were bearing was not the image of Christ. That's scary. So you can manifest the gifts of the Spirit and still not bear the image of Christ. When you bear the image of Christ, it's clear in the way you act. It's clear in your fruits. People come around you and they feel God. People look in your eyes and they see Jesus because you're bearing his image. That's where we're heading as the church. But many Christians have camped along the side of personal breakthroughs and looking for miracles and nothing wrong with God giving us breakthroughs and miracles, but God is after more than that. He wants us to become like his son. I want to just backtrack a bit and look at how a few things started in the New Testament to lay some foundations here. Now, Jesus uh, taught us to pray an important prayer, and I don't believe he taught us to pray that prayer word for word. You know, however, I believe it's a template of how prayer should be. And uh, there's nothing wrong praying with both of it if you already do that. However, I think there's something more going on. Because, I mean, just think about it. Jesus himself spent six, seven hours praying through the night, eight hours at times, maybe even more, praying through the night, okay? And then he comes down and the disciples say to him, teach us to pray. And then he taught them this prayer that we, if you repeat the prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. You repeat the whole prayer, it's probably going to take you about 30 seconds or maybe less. I don't know. It depends on how fast you pray it. <laughs> so think about this. The disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray, and they, he taught them a prayer that probably takes them about 30 seconds to pray, or we pray that in 30 seconds, whereas he's spending six, seven hours on the mountaintop with God. Now, if he's God in human form and had to pray that much, <laughs> who are you to think you're okay with two minutes? <laughs> if he, God in human form, he's spending that much time with the Father, don't, don't you think that actually is a challenge to us re to realize how much more we need to depend on the Father? Because we know Jesus did nothing without him uh, 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 seeing what the Father was showing him. Now, the reason why I'm using that example is, look, the prayer takes about 30 seconds and he himself is spending hours. What was he doing in all those hours? Was he praying the Lord's Prayer on repeat? I don't think he was doing that. I think there are principles in the Lord's Prayer that affected the way he prayed that meant he could press into God for hours. Now, I'm not going to go into the Lord's Prayer in detail this morning. There's just a section on that I want to point out to you before we move further in this subject on maturing in Christ. Okay? He says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Listen to this next phrase. Your kingdom come. Now, if we're in a room together, I'll get you all to repeat after me. Your kingdom come. Okay, I've got a few people here. Your kingdom come. Now, now, those words are very cheap and easy to say. But the more you delve into them, the more you realize the weightiness of them. It says, your king's dominion, your king domain. The domain of your kingdom, let it come on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, the reference points for that short prayer, that section of the prayer, is what's happening in heaven. So let's, let's, let's reflect on what's happening in heaven. In heaven, the will of God is done 100%. In heaven, there is no resistance to the desire of God. In heaven, the saints and the angels are there to serve the kingdom, and whatever the Lord desires, they do. 
in heaven, the purposes of God are manifested in fullness. So in heaven, there is no resistance to the will of God. So now the prayer is saying, let your will be done on earth, just like it is in heaven. In other words, the prayer is saying, like there's no resistance to the agenda of God in heaven, like there's no resistance to the will of God in heaven, Lord, let that happen on the earth. Now, I don't know if you're starting to realize the magnitude of that prayer, because you start to realize you can't even pray that prayer effectively until his king's dominion, his, his, his domain is being done in you. See, see, you don't have authority to pray for a move of God to come out there if it's not happening in here. You can't be asking his kingdom to come out there. Okay, you know, I've just explained about his will. It's about his will. Wherever you see the manifestations of the kingdom, you see the manifestations of the will and the domain or the dominion of God. And so you can't be asking him to have his will out there in the earth if his will is not being done in this earthen vessel, you, you, you lack the authority because prayer is not about nice words. I hope you understand that. It's not just the ability to string words together and sound good. God is not impressed by that. You know what he said to the, to the people in Israel? He said, these people are praising me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Do you know we sing a lot of lies on Sunday mornings? We just sang a song. I don't know if you realize the depth of the song you just sang. If you did, you probably wouldn't sing it. You said you want to be tried by fire. You said he want to be purified. You said he should take whatever he desires. And then he says, end that relationship. And you're like, oh, well, I don't know about it. Oh, he says, give that money away. Oh, I don't know about it. Oh, he says, do this. In that moment, the rubber hits the road and you realize how much you really mean what you mean. See, some things are very easy to just say in prayer or in worship. But when the rubber starts to hit the road, you realize the dominion of the king is not as real in your heart as it should be. Because listen to what it says, your kingdom come. And then Jesus also says this, the kingdom of God is within you. So your level of maturity and conformity to the image of Christ is how much of your will is in alignment with his will. And how you align with his will determines what you manifest in your life. Because you're under his dominion. You're under his domain. And the more we align with his will the more he can entrust us with the attributes, the manifestations of his kingdom that cannot be found in the earth. Heaven-sent people are not on the earth to extract materialism of the earth. Heaven-sent people are on the earth to display a glory that cannot be found in the things of the earth. So what that means is, you're on here, you're on this earth, you and I are on this earth to start to press into God so that his king, his, his dominion can be done his dominion can be manifested on us, and his purposes can be released through us. We want the kingdom of God to advance like never before. But for that to happen, the Lord is calling us as his church to mature to the place of sonship. Creation is waiting for us to mature to sonship. And when I say sonship, you might be thinking, well, you know, I'm, I'm a woman. Does that apply to me? When I say sonship, it's not about a sexist thing of, okay, this is something about just men. Because you know, the body of Christ, we are also called the bride of Christ, right? So men are the bride of Christ and women are the sons of God. It's not a gender thing. It's about a description of your relationship with God. When you step into the place of sonship, you step into a place of maturity. You step in a place where God can begin to give you uh, responsibilities. 
Now listen clearly to this. God loves you, but it doesn't mean God trusts you. The fact that God's love towards you is unconditional does not mean he's going to start to entrust you with the weightier matters of his kingdom. Because he can tell, and by your lifestyle, it's clear that your will is in opposition to his will. You're singing the song, you're praying the prayer, but how submitted are you into, to his will? And then this is where you begin to see that God wants to do a lot of work in you. We're in the Passover season right now. And in this season, we're obviously remembering the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. Easter Sunday is coming up. Good Friday is coming up. And you know, Jesus says something crazy in Matthew 14. He says, anyone who, desire, anyone who loves me, uh, uh, who desires to follow me should... Um, Anyone who desires to come after me should first and foremost deny himself, then pick up his cross and follow me. If you think about that, you got to also start to ask yourself the question, if he's calling you to deny yourself, that is dying to the flesh, and then it's not just that, he's actually saying, now pick up your cross. So you realize Jesus did not just die on the cross for our sins, Okay. He actually died on the cross to show us how. I, I, is anyone alive today? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> Jesus died on the cross to show you how, for, how you should die on the cross. The flesh doesn't like to die. You don't believe me? <laughs> Let God start to challenge areas of you. Maybe as you hear me preach right now, you can feel your flesh rising. Maybe you're getting annoyed. The flesh does not like to die. When I, you know, I moved to the UK when I was uh, 17. So that was 2001. You can work out how old I am now. So when I used to live in Nigeria, um, uh, we used to have these uh, chickens in our house, as in, you know, in the back. And every now and again, you know, instead of going to the shop to buy chicken, we just grab a chicken and kill it. <laughs> and, you know, and so I got good at killing chickens. Now, have you ever heard the phrase headless, running around like a headless chicken? Okay, I'm, I bet you've never experienced that in reality. Because it is real. When, okay, I'm not going to go into the graphic details because some of you might be vegetarians. By the way, I don't think I've ever met an African vegetarian. Because <laughs> we love our meat. Okay, let's move on quickly from that. Now, when you start killing the chicken, everything in the chicken starts to shake. And because of how violent the chicken starts to shake, some people can get scared and release the chicken. And you know what? The fact that you're cutting and you're killing the chicken does not mean the chicken is going to sit there and just let you kill it. And so, because how we kill the chicken is with it's the head. You know, it's the head you're... Sorry, <laughs> you're chopping the head, basically. And you release the chicken in fear, if you're not experienced with killing chickens. And then you know what happens? The chicken starts to run around. And the blood starts to just spill everywhere. Because there is nothing in the chicken that wants to die. You see, that's why Romans 12 says, you present your body. It didn't say you present your mind. It didn't say you present your spirit. It says you present your body. Because the works of the flesh, they need to be crucified. And listen, the flesh doesn't like to die. That's why it's called a living sacrifice. <laughs> you kill it today, tomorrow you have to kill it again. 
You kill it the day after tomorrow, you have to kill it again. And when I say the works of the flesh, what do I mean? The will, that which is, that which is domiciled in your soulish realm. You see, you need to understand the process of salvation. Your, when you got saved, John 3, 3 says you were born into the kingdom. You're born again. Now you can perceive the kingdom of God. You can receive signals from heaven when you're born again. Are, are you guys ready for this? Is anyone alive today? I, I can't see all your chats right there. Okay. Okay. I can see a few. Some, some, some saying, wow. Some laughing faces. Okay, great. You're, you're with me. John 3, 3 says... When you're born again, you're able to see. Everyone say see. In other words, you can perceive the kingdom of God. But then further down, it says, unless you're born of water, unless you're born of the spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Are you with me? So there's a difference between perceiving and entering in. There are many Christians, because you're born again, you're able to perceive what God wants. But the fact that you're perceiving it does not mean you're entering into it by obedience. So it's slightly different experiences. And maturity happens when you move from just perceiving to entering in by obedience. But the process of entering in is not nice on the flesh. It's, it's, it's painful on the flesh. Listen, salvation is free, but if you want to grow in God, everything after that is costly. Don't expect it to be easy. Many Christians just want to come to church and have Pastor Joe or their favorite preacher on YouTube preach them feeling good and make them excited. And listen, okay, I don't mean this to be harsh, but I don't see any kind of uh, motivational preaching in Scripture. Read through Scripture. You don't see motivational preaching. What you see preaching is preaching on Christ and things that exalt him. And the more he's exalted, the more you'll be motivated. So we're knowing here where's that five keys to, to, to receive all your breakthroughs, 10 keys to receive your, your husband next week. Five, are you with me? <laughs> we're in that era where God is wanting us to conform to his image because the type of church that's being raised right now with the type of spiritual diet we're receiving is not ready for the persecution ahead of us. Because many Christians are treating God like a vending machine. Does God exist for you or do you exist for him? If God were not to give you the breakthroughs you've been praying for the last three years, are you still going to serve him or are you done with your faith? See, so many, many Christians, the, the, the basis of their salvation is all about God doing stuff for them. So you know what? When you get born again, you're a liability to the kingdom of God. That, that might sound heavy, right? Because everything God did on the cross, he did for you. You have not yet become an asset to the kingdom. So you're just receiving. It's just like a baby that's born. All the baby is going to do is just receive milk, receive food, receive love, receive care. Many Christians are just receiving and receiving. And they've been in the church 10, 15 years. And they receive meal, bless me God, make me feel good. My emotions are in this place. And they haven't matured to the place where they start to take the responsibility. But maturity starts to challenge issues in your life. Listen to me carefully. The majority, 90% of the problems we have in the church... And around families and divorce, church breakup, name it. You know, all the things, it's all around immaturity. 
Spiritual immaturity. Now, I know I might be sounding a bit hard right now, but don't think I'm coming at this from a place of I am perfect, okay? In fact, let me just break down what I'm going through right now because I'm not preaching this from the place of, hey, I have arrived and I'm, you know, you all, you all there, sort yourselves out. If you're married, I want to challenge you to do this. After this service or maybe at some point when you and your wife has some time together, sit down and ask your spouse, what are the areas of immaturity in my life? Because I had to do that yesterday. <laughs> and we went through one by one the areas of immature. So I'm not here saying to you that I have arrived. I'm here saying to you, I am a real. See, many Christians are happy to just turn a blind, blind eye. And I'm saying, God, shock me now. Please don't shock me on the day of judgment. I want to know what I need to know. I want to know the areas of immaturity where I am not bearing your image, where I'm just replacing or reacting out of generational issues that I've not really allowed the cross to be applied to. And I'm, you can't have authority over demons you're still fellowshipping with. Demons where you're enjoying their company and yet you want to have authority over them. How do you think you're going to have the authority to pull down strongholds of darkness when you don't even have the authority to turn off your phone and the TV? You don't know how to say no to food and fast. You don't know how to, how to turn off all the distractions and prayer, and yet you want to pull down the authority of darkness? It starts with the simple areas of obedience when your flesh doesn't feel like it because your flesh doesn't want to pray. Pray is not the natural activity of the flesh. And if you can't get to the place where you're ready to say no to the flesh in that simple area of prayer, how do you think you're going to say no to the flesh in the area of anger, in the area of lust, in the area of envy, in the area of jealousy? And so you might be up here displaying your skills and singing and preaching and impressing people, but you're just the manifestation of a bag of infirmities being amplified to the multitudes. And people People think you look good on the outside, but from heaven's perspective, you're living and manifesting fleshly activities, even though you're sounding good and saying all the scriptural things. And so we have people in the church that are not ready to deal with the issues of their hearts. And the more you walk in, the more you walk with God, the more you realize how much God needs to do on you. You don't believe me? Ask Paul. Paul started by saying, oh, I'm the least of the apostles. By the end, you know what I'm saying? I'm the greatest of all sinners. Because the more you're walking with God, the more you realize areas of your life that need to align with him. You see, in this room right now, there's a dimension of light in here. But the brighter the light gets, the more I start to notice things on me I never saw before. So if you think you're doing okay, maybe you've not actually drawn close enough. And that's why I started with the married couples. Because marriage is God set up. <laughs> God set up for dealing with your flesh. Now, if you're not married, don't get discouraged. <laughs> I know you I want to get married. Yes. Yeah, be excited to get married. But it, the marriage is the great amplifier. Okay? If you have a lost problem, marriage is not going to fix it. <laughs> If you have an anger problem, marriage is not going to fix it. It's going to amplify it. And then the next level is when you have children. <laughs> because it's, God uses these, these avenues to expose the works of the flesh that need to be crucified. But many of you are excusing your behavior to your spouse. Well, it's just the way I am. It's just the way I was brought up. Have you not thought that there's a, there's a part of the image of Christ that you need to conform into? And could it be that God brought you in that marriage to expose to you how deprived you are in that area so that you can seek him? But now you're excusing those demons and saying, you know, it's just the way I was brought up. 
it's just, the, it's just my background. It's where I was abused or whatever. But you don't realize, even in that abuse, God wants to get his glory. So what the enemy meant for evil, he wants to turn it around for good. But you're excusing those situations away. You're complaining about them and you're not changing. So 10 years down the line, you're still talking the same. Haven't you met many Christians? They still, it's the same chat year after year. They complain about the same thing. Your anger and temper is the same as it was 10 years ago. How can you tell me, you're going to church, you heard the sermon. You went, you went to the altar there, preacher laid hands on you. But the way you get angry is still the same way you were 10 years ago. Are you telling me that's how Christ wants you to be? You're not manifesting the image of Christ. The image of Christ is not react out of the flesh. In fact, one of the, one of the measurements for your spiritual maturity is how much an individual depends on the spirit in the way you live. Most believers depend on the flesh, and they are moved by the promptings of the flesh as opposed to the promptings of the spirit. And the more you're dependent on the spirit, the more mature you become in Christ. This is the year where God is calling you to expose the immaturities. Challenge them. Don't excuse them. It's, you see, when, when your spouse starts to tell you the errors of immaturity, it's not going to feel good. Like the chicken that's been killed, you're not going to want to stay there. In fact, you might want to point out their own issues. Forget about that. <laughs> it's okay. Lord, here I am. Purify me. You know that song? I want to be tried by fire. Well, let the fire come. That, uh, Romans 12, it says, uh, uh, present your body as a living sacrifice. And when you're on that altar and the fire falls, when it gets hot, don't get off the altar. Just stay there. <laughs> Because the heat is going to increase. He is in the business of dealing with the flesh. I'm telling you, there are many Christians in ministry right now, immature. They have great platforms to the masses, but are immature in their nature and expression of Christ. So many people get hurt. Many people get led astray. Many people get disappointed. You know what the scripture says? By their fruits, you know them. Not by their gifts, you know them. By their fruits. But in the body of Christ, we're more impressed by gifts than fruits. We like to see great preachers and great healing ministers. And again, nothing wrong with that. I want to move in the gifts of spirit more than ever before. But I want to move more in the character. Because you cannot go wrong when you mature in character. The devil cannot fake fruit. But he can fake gifts. In fact, you can manifest all kinds of gifts of the spirit. The fact that you're moving in those gifts of the Spirit does not mean you're spiritually mature. Do you hear me? You can prophesy good. You can preach good. You can sing good and still be a spiritual babe. You want to know how much your character is manifest in Christ. And to do that, in this Passover season, I believe we're entering into a season of grace for flesh crucifixion. This is the season where Christ was crucified on the cross. Could this be a season where he's inviting you to be crucified on your cross? Denying your flesh, your self, and following him. I want to paint a picture to you right now of an incredible journey we see with the nation of Israel. They started out in Egypt. They experienced Passover in Egypt. So when this is of Passover, right? The Passover is the blood that, you know, they put the blood on their doorpost and the angel of death passed over them, right? So Egypt represents salvation in a certain sense. And then after salvation, they had to journey with God, okay? And they journey with God through the Red Sea and then they went into the wilderness. They weren't meant to be in the wilderness for 40 years. I hope you realize that. It was only meant to be a few days journey, okay? Now, the destination was not the wilderness, 
Their destination was the Canaan land. Are you hearing me today? As a Christian, you can't live in Egypt and pray for the blessings of Canaan. You can't get saved and you're still manifesting all the works of the flesh. You've not matured, yet you want to, man- you want to walk in the fullness of God's promise. I- are you hearing me today? Now, when they came out of, when they, when they got saved, it was a glorious salvation. However, they were a stiff-necked people, the Lord said. And so the Lord had to lead them in the wilderness. And they were going round and round and round. And even though they were going round and round, guess what? They were having supernatural provision. In the midst of their rebellion, God was showing them signs and wonders. But God was not happy with where they were. Listen, this is a scary thing. You could be moving in God right now, and you could be seeing supernatural provision, and you could even be seeing healings, but it doesn't mean you're making spiritual progress. Because you could be having supernatural experiences while you're going round and round and round because you're not dealing with the stiff-necked nature of the flesh. So the Lord is not releasing you into the promised land. In fact, before they went into the promised land, there was another layer of dealings where the Lord had to circumcise them. And the church does not want this. We want the feel-good, inspirational preachers that get us excited for the moment. But I believe God is looking for people that will mature into the image of His Son. So you could be walking in supernatural provision and blessings of God, but you're still in the wilderness because you're going round and round the same thing over and over again, the same thing over and over again. And you see, the battles you fight in Egypt and in the wilderness are different from the battles you fight in Canaan. In Canaan, the battles you fight, you're fighting them as an asset to the kingdom and you're gaining ground for the kingdom. But when you're in Egypt and when you're in, 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 wild, in, in the wilderness, the battles you're fighting, you often will be going around around the same battles. So one of the signs that you're not maturing is you're still dealing with the same battles. Because in the promised land, the battles you fight, they're for the kingdom. And you're gaining new territory. So, woman of God, man of God, child of God, are you still facing the same battles today like you did five years ago? Could it be that even in the midst of God blessing you and increasing you in your job, increasing you in your marriage, increasing, that all those things are no signs that you're doing well spiritually, but you're still stuck in the wilderness, going around and around and around, and you're not maturing because this is what Paul says. This is how we know we're mature. When I was a child, I acted like a child. But when I became a man, you know, there was a son, I let, a, I let go of those childish things. It's not you let go of childlikeness, you let go of childishness. So God is calling us at this time to be really honest before God. You see, these are the kind of messages that make you sober, and that's good. Because I'm not coming here because, uh, you know, I, like I said earlier, on, I, I am dealing with areas of immaturity in my own life. Okay, so this is not some kind of sort yourself out and I'm okay. I'm like, oh God, have mercy on my soul. (laughs) 
because I need to grow up. I know I'm preaching to you, but I need to grow. I don't know about you. I need to mature. I need the cross to be applied in a whole new way. My flesh may be screaming out, but I'm saying, Lord, kill it. Let it die like never before. That it dies and it's not going to be resurrected. How can we experience the powers of resurrection if we don't go through the process of crucifixion? We will not have those resurrection attributes and all the assets that come with the resurrection power if we're not ready to visit and stay at the cross. Don't run away from it. We stay at the cross. You're, you're, you're still, you're still, you know, you're still loving money more than you love God, but you've not actually got to the place of admitting it. You're excusing it. You, you, you know, money moves your emotions more than the Lord does. Relationships move your emotions more than the Lord does. You're still holding on to things in your heart that when you bring it before the cross, you know it can't stay. Well, why don't you just get to the cross and say, Lord, okay, here I am. Everything, lost, distractions, prayerlessness, here I am. I'm welcoming the cross. And I don't just want to sing that song. I want to be, you know, purified. I don't just want to sing it, Lord. I want to live it. I want to live it. Take whatever you decide. Turn up the heat, God. Let the flesh begin to burn up in this season. I've got to mature. I've got to become more like Christ in this season. God is calling us to fight the battles of the kingdom. And we will not be able to fight the battles of the kingdom if we're still living as babes. People who mature into sons don't need to be asked, don't need to be uh, uh, psyched up or kind of, you know, uh, I don't know what the word is, kind of stirred up to pray. They don't need to be stirred up to worship. They don't need to be stirred up to read their Bible. They don't need to be stirred up to be part of a community because they understand the values of these things as it pertains to the advancement of the kingdom of God. Where are you in your faith journey? Are you still in Egypt? Are you in the wilderness? Or are you in Canaan? And I guarantee you for majority of us, we're in between Egypt and the wilderness. These are the times where the Lord is looking for sons they can entrust great things of his kingdom to. I want to be a son in the kingdom. I want the Lord to be able to entrust me with whatever is on his heart. So I am submitting myself to the process. I wanted to invite me, sorry, I want to invite you to join me rather in this journey. You know, I said to you, I'm preaching from a place of what God's doing in me right now. There are many preachers, there are many leaders that want you to think they're doing okay and they're perfect. Well, and I'm not trying to say, you know, uh, I'm not trying to criticize that, but I really do believe even we, we as leaders, if we will be honest with ourselves in our journey right now in our leadership, there's so much more God wants to do in us because we're crying out for so much more, but our spirit and our soul is not ready to handle the weightiness of the responsibility that heaven will place on us if it was to release the very things we're crying out for. You know how we pray for revival so desperately? In my journey, as I've prayed for revival, God has actually turned me to start praying for me. It's like it started to do more of a work in my life. And I'm not calling you into introspection in a way where you're condemned <laughs> because the Lord doesn't condemn us. He convicts us. And we respond to that conviction in repentance. My last words, hopefully. Do you remember, you know, I started talking about the kingdom of God. Remember when the preaching for the kingdom started? You know what it started with? John says, repent. 
the process of entering into the dominion of God is the process of repentance. It doesn't matter you've been a Christian for five, ten years. Repentance is still necessary now. I was repenting yesterday, and as the Lord keeps showing me stuff, I'll be repenting more. Say, God, let it die. I want to conform more to your image. Thank you for tuning in to Prayerstone Podcast. We hope you have enjoyed today's edition. For more information and teaching, and if you'd like to get connected, please visit www.prayerstone.org.